This podcast is brought to you by GoMoto, the service lane kiosk that grows your business. Want to increase revenue, improve the customer experience, and maximize service efficiency? Visit GoMoto.com to learn more. G-O-M-O-T-O.com. Hi, everyone. This is Steve Smith. Welcome to Daily Drive for Thursday, November 4th. Today on the show, Oren Azir, CEO of Israeli startup Electrion, joins me to talk about what the company is doing to usher in a future of mobility where electric vehicles are charged wirelessly while on the move. It's part of our series this week on Daily Drive featuring CEOs finding ways to make EVs and the process of building batteries more environmentally friendly and sustainable as UN discussions on climate change continue this week in Scotland. Azir believes in electric vehicles and the critical role they play in reducing emissions and other pollutants created by cars powered by gasoline. He also says that achieving those benefits requires infrastructure, infrastructure that is going to take years to build. Azir says building wireless charging capabilities in the roadways now is a faster pathway to building out a charging infrastructure and also a more aesthetically pleasing approach versus installing charging stations and suspending all of the cabling required to connect those stations to the grid. He also believes that over time, EV charging will go wireless, the same way smartphones are increasingly capable of charging wirelessly. Said another way, he believes all of those chargers that require the car be plugged in to charge will become obsolete. Begging the question, why the push to install 500,000 charging stations in the United States, particularly if the technology could be obsolete in 10 years? Electrion has pilots underway in Israel and Europe. For example, in Tel Aviv, the company is testing a 600-meter electric road along a two-kilometer route between Tel Aviv University and a nearby train station. And in Sweden, they are testing electrified roadways for use in long-haul trucking. What other projects are underway, and what is the company learning from those? What plans does the company have to bring its technology to the United States? And how important is government support and advocacy needed to scale EVs and truly recognize the environmental benefit? We've caught up with Electrion CEO Oren Ezir at the company's headquarters outside of Tel Aviv. Oren, thanks so much for joining me today on Daily Drive. How are you? Fine, thank you. Thank you for joining us. We have been talking about electric vehicles a lot lately on the show. Really excited about what we're going to talk about today. Why don't we start today's conversation? Can you tell our audience a little bit about Electrion and the work the company is doing around electric vehicles? Yeah, so first, what is Electrion? Electrion is electrification for infinity. Eon is infinity and Electrion is like electrification for for infinity. And we do wireless charging, dynamic, semi-dynamic or static for uh, electric vehicles. And actually when we established the, the company from the early beginning, we understood that batteries at scale will not hold and it will be actually very difficult to uh, upgrade the electricity grid to support the huge demand. And, you know, when we think about, about vehicles, we have 1.4 billion vehicles around us. And if we would like to replace it, half of it or uh, even, to electric in the next decade, we need to understand that we need to have 1.4 billion batteries. So I think it's something that will be uh, not easy to do. And when we start to uh, deal with this concept, we start exploring dynamic wireless charging. 
as a, a complementary solution for batteries. Instead of dealing with the batteries inside the vehicle, we decided to take it outside of the vehicle and, and, and think about a different way to provide the energy to the vehicle. And actually, this is how we started developing the technology um, in Israel. It was nine years ago. Uh, and the fact actually that uh, wireless charging can be deployed everywhere without any visual impact can open many uh, opportunities for the market, such as uh, charging while you're driving or charging when you stop and waiting for passengers. Uh, we can put it inside a loading docks, outside airports, even inside cities because there is no poles, no wires. You don't need to connect the vehicle to, to a charging station. So this is why we um, we believe that wireless charging can uh, do the shift and accelerate the adoption of EVs. Um, yeah, and this was the beginning. Such an interesting story and such an interesting time to be talking about that here in the United States. Obviously, we're talking about a lot of infrastructure um, investment. I don't think something that is uncommon with other parts of the world. Um, we'll talk about that that a little bit later. Um, but what can you tell us a little bit more deeply about how the technology actually works? So first we have um, we transmit the energy over the air. So we have one coil that we uh, provide to this coil um, alternative current in 85 kilohertz. Once we provide this current to this coil, coil, we create electromagnetic field around it. Then once we put another coil around this coil, the, the, the second coil uh, fill this electromagnetic field around it and create current. So actually in this phenomenon, we are using this phenomena in order to provide uh, energy from one coil that we uh, deployed under the asphalt or under the pavement to another coil without any hard connection between the two. And the second coil, we put it under the uh, chassis of the vehicle. So we can provide energy without hard connection to a given vehicle. So this is basically the, uh, the concept. In our system, we have three components. We have one management unit that receive the energy from the grid and transmit it to the road. Uh, this management unit can control 60 different coils in 100 meter of road. Um, and then we have the third part, uh, which is a receiver pad that we installed at the bottom of the vehicle. And from there, we connect it directly to the battery of the vehicle. So basically, when there is no vehicle driving on the road, there is no energy. Once the vehicle is driving on the road, we have a communication, real-time communication between the receiver pad and the coils that we buried under the asphalt. Once we identify that it's, a, it's an authorized vehicle, we start transmitting energy from the grid, the management unit, through the coils to the vehicle. So this is how uh, the system works. Just so I'm clear, you are transmitting electricity from the grid to that first coil in the air? Um, yes, exactly. This is what we are doing. We're transmitting energy from the grid to the coil, and this is conductive under the pavement, so you don't mm -hmm. see the cables. And from the, the coil that we buried under the asphalt, 
we transmit the energy over the air to the next coil that is connected to the vehicle. So a couple of weeks ago, I had an individual that's leading a similar effort at Oak Ridge National Lab here in the United States. I'm curious, do you see or can you explain how your approach to wireless charging might be different than the work that Oak Ridge is doing? And and perhaps what are the benefits? What are the differences between the two approaches? So I think in general, if you are the only company in a certain market, I think that you need to ask yourself if you're really solving a real problem or if the solution is valid, you know. So to be alone in the market is not so good. So I I think that it's good to have uh, more companies joining this this field in order to increase the market and to have wireless charging as a standard. So I'm very happy to see more and more companies or even universities that are uh, going to this this, uh, uh, route. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, we are active in wireless charging for nine years, and we are not the first company to start exploring wireless charging. So I think it's a, it's good to mention, uh, and there is a standard uh, regarding this technology. Um, I think that we are focusing on our technology, and I can share that there is a huge difference between lab testing and demonstrating the system in real-world condition. Mm-hmm. So our first demonstration took part six six years ago, and I think that the gap between the demo of the uh, the system and a live project on a, a public road is enormous. So demonstrating a demo is only the first step, and uh, you know I can share from our experience that uh, you know to take it to the uh, next level, you need to deal with real uh, uh, real life condition, regulation, clients, cost, uh, maintenance, and even production. So um, regarding, go to your question, I think that uh, the main differentiator, as I see, as I see it from, from our point of view, um, actually we started with dynamic charging. So uh, when you deal with dynamic, you need to have, you need to deal with many challenges such as scalable architecture, because you need to feed multiple users uh, in very low cost. So it's not just to transmit energy over the air from one coil to another, is to do it uh, in large scale. Uh, the deployment should be very fast, so you need to deploy it in, you know, we, we are deploying one kilometer overnight. It's crucial when you talk about infrastructure in large scale. You need to provide billing system and uh, other features. Um, so I think it's not just to compare between uh, uh, one company to the other company, is to see that if we can really uh, provide a solution for uh, commercial use. So I don't want to mention a specific company, but from our point of view, it's not just to uh, show the technology in the lab, but to show a real solution in public roads that can give a huge benefit to the to the customer. So this is what we are focusing on. And as I mentioned, the, the main differentiator is the fact that we started with dynamic, not static. Mm. Static, it means that you need to park the vehicle in order to charge. You have one coil, 
that can generate energy and another coil that is uh, uh, at the vehicle side. We, uh, we can charge the vehicle while the vehicle is driving on the road. So the architecture is totally different. Uh, and if you need to uh, deploy it on kilometers uh, of road, you need to do it uh, um, very cheap uh, and very fast. So I think this is, this is the main difference. You talk about real-world testing. You talk about real projects that are on the roads today. Can you talk about what you are doing in those use cases in Europe and Tel Aviv? What are those projects testing, and what are you learning from those projects? So actually, we allocated several seg- seg- segments. You know, when, we, when you establish a company, you need to start with a low-hanging fruit and to see how you can bring value to the customer from day one, not just to develop a nice technology. Uh, so we decided to start with a city bus application, uh, long haul trucks that are fighting and uh, uh, with uh, the transition to uh, electric vehicles. It's not easy to uh, to move to electric uh, uh, trucks because the battery cannot hold this huge range. Um, so we have certain seg- segments um, and now we have five, yeah, four projects uh, in operation uh, in those segments. So in Tel Aviv, we have uh, a bus, a city bus uh, use case. We are driving a bus across Tel Aviv. We have, we demonstrate a semi-dynamic use case inside the terminal when we can top up the battery uh, once the vehicle, once the bus finishes round trip and enters the terminal, we can top up the battery and increase the operation time and reduce battery size. Uh, in this project, actually, we uh, electrified a section of a road in dynamic uh, um, application. So we can show um, two different use cases: dynamic road and semi-dynamic at the terminal. Um, I think that it was very nice, very successful pilot. So today we announced, I think three weeks ago, we announced that we are moving to a commercial project together with Donbass company. Uh, our partner in Israel, and we are going to electrify 200 buses that will drive in uh, Tel Aviv. We are electrifying the terminal, and we are going to support 200 buses. So uh, this pilot brings us a a commercial project, and I think that after electrifying 200 buses in Tel Aviv, we will show the the, the world uh, what a a great benefit we we can provide to uh, this section. Uh, we have a project in Germany and in Sweden and in Italy. Uh, the project is in Sweden is very interesting because we are electrifying um, a highway for long-haul trucks. Um, so we, I think that we, are elect- we electrified 1.6 kilometer, which is the biggest or longest electric road uh, uh, system in the world. We are doing it in a city of Wisby in Gotland. Um, I think it's it's a, a crucial step um, in Sweden because Sweden has um, a vision to electrify highways for long-haul trucks. Um, the vision is to electrify 2,000 kilometers uh, by 2030. So uh, I hope that we will uh, convince that our system can, can be a, a good solution and a good fit for that. And in Germany, we are doing uh, the same. 
together with uh, our partner, local partners in Germany, ENBW, Volkswagen, and uh, Vancey. Um, and in Italy, we have a project with Brebemi, which is a toll road company. In this, in this uh, project, we would like to uh, show how we can electrify a highway, a toll road, in order to provide service to uh, the users that are using this toll road on a daily basis, mainly for uh, last mile delivery trucks and long haul trucks and maybe mm -hmm. for passenger vehicles. So I think that what is interesting with our project that it will lead to a commercial project at the end. In Sweden, we have a huge goal to electrify 2,000 kilometers. In Italy, to move to electrify all the highway, all the toll road, and the same in Germany and in Tel Aviv. We'll be right back with more. Your service check-in process sets the tone for your customer's entire visit. Do your customers wait longer than five minutes to check in for service? Are your advisors presenting upsells to every customer every time? How often is the opportunity for trade appraisals missed? When your service drive gets busy, these inefficiencies directly impact revenue. Give your customers the option to handle the entire check-in process themselves. From appointment scheduling through final confirmation, all in under two minutes. Customers have the experience they want while selling themselves, which means your advisors are freed up to focus on profit-producing activities. It's a win-win for both CSI and your revenue. Introducing a smarter service lane. GoMoto is the self-service kiosk designed to grow your business. If you're ready to start increasing revenue, improving the customer experience, and maximizing service efficiency today, visit GoMoto.com. That's G-O-M-O-T-O dot com. How important is government advocacy, policy, and regulation to creating these projects? And, and certainly overall the question, but again, you know, I, I think here in the United States, we're at this crossroads, pardon the pun, of investments in infrastructure and regulatory environment when it comes to safety and clean energy and all of those things. When you describe these projects, how important was that government advocacy, that policy, that regulation? Actually, it's a good question. It's crucial in terms of electric road system. Electric, electric road system has the potential to, elect, to accelerate the adoption of EVs and help to reduce pollution and bring down emission in a national level. ERS is an infrastructure solution that can uh, electrify all the uh, vehicles in one shared platform. So once you have it on roads and users can use it, it will be uh, possible to eliminate range anxiety, reduce battery size, and spread the energy across the whole day. But first, you need but first you need to have roads. Uh, and when dealing with this kind of dis disruptive technology in a national level, the government should take uh, I don't want to say crucial, but even you know to lead, especially uh, in, in, at, at the beginning, and build the ecosystem to attract companies and startup and uh, even to support them. 
And I think that Sweden, if you look at Sweden, um, it's, it's a great example because they actually established a, a department. They called it ERS to investigate all the different technologies in this field and to support some of them. So I think that once you deal with infrastructure in a national level, and the uh, the impact could be reducing emission and radiation. I think that government is a crucial has a crucial part, and uh, we see Europe um, that a great supporter in ERS. Um, if it's uh, Sweden, Germany, now uh, a week ago we saw a huge announcement in uh, France uh, to support ERS. Uh, they announced 200 million euros to support ERS in all kinds of uh, uh, projects. And now we see um, RFP from uh, in, in Michigan to uh, explore and to test uh, uh, ERS as a solution for um, autonomous vehicles. So I think that it's they have a crucial role in this part. There are world leaders from you know, multiple countries in Scotland this week at the 2021 United Nations Climate Change Conference. I understand Electrion recently received some approval from the United Nations. Can you describe what that is and why it's important to your efforts? Uh, yeah, so of course, if you have new technology, and I think that I mentioned that uh, wireless charging uh, is improving and we have a standard in place, so it's crucial uh, if you want to move to the next level. Uh, we are working according to the standard and we received, I think two months ago, we received, um, it calls R10. It's a component approval for our receiver pad that we installed at the bottom of the vehicle. It means that we can start uh, having commercial projects. We can integrate our receiver pad on any electric vehicle if it's aftermarket or if it's uh, together with the OEM, the car maker. It means that we can start spreading the, the technology uh, everywhere. So I think it's a crucial step to the company and for wireless charging as, as, a, as a solution. A couple of questions on infrastructure. When you talk about wireless charging and your vision to where it's going, do you believe that charging of electric vehicles will go the same way in some respects as your smartphone. Whereas we've gone from plugged in from plugs to charge our phone to many are now wireless charging either on your desk. Some cars come equipped with wireless charging for your smartphone. Are we headed in a path where charging your electric vehicle by plugging it in will at one point become obsolete? I think it's obvious. Not to me, but I think that once you talk to um, someone from the industry, I think today it's obvious that wireless is the, the solution. I think that you can compare it to, you know, Blockbuster and Netflix. Um, you want to use, uh, you want to charge anywhere without any need to connect the vehicle to a certain cable. Um, you want to be flexible. You want to uh, to charge it if you're driving or if you park the vehicle in a, in a certain street. If you if you uh, go by, I don't know, uh, Paris, Tel Aviv, New York, whatsoever, uh, you don't want to see charging stations uh, across the street. It's not so nice. 
containing visual hazards. So, and and what about wear and tear? So I think that um, if you think five or ten years from now, I believe that wireless will be the only solution for vehicles. Um, I think that if you want really to, um, um, if we talk about scale at scale, wireless is is the only op option because I don't see um, cables and, and and poles across the whole country. Um, so I th I think that there is no other option. And if we talk about cost, the cost will be also the same. Uh, wear and tear and maintenance is almost uh, uh, nothing because you don't need to maintain the system. The system is under the ground, very safe. Mm -hmm. uh, if you talk about weather condition in in uh, in a place where you have snow um, and you know a rain, uh, cables will not hold. Uh, so I believe that wireless is uh, uh, the way to move forward, and it's a matter of time. So. Then what's your point of view? What's your opinion as, again, here in the United States, it's infrastructure, it's clean energy, and it's 500,000 charging stations or, or whatever the, the goal is. Why that focus? If we're talking about building infrastructure for the future, why are we building or why is the plan to install all of these, these charging stations that to your point, are likely going to be obsolete in the next decade? So first it takes time and you need to think why it takes time because the solution is not perfect. And I think that it, it takes time to, um, you know, to understand that you have another option for charging. So you need to start with cables and then to move to wireless and then to move, you know, we are just improving the vehicle and the battery technology. So it takes time. I don't think that uh, to put 500,000 charging stations across the, the U.S. will be easy to do. And I hope that it will not happen because we will have lots of cables to handle. Uh, and the visual impact that we will create around us, it will be a huge mess. Uh, think about New York City and Manhattan full with cables. I think it could be a, a nightmare for the, uh, the people in New York City. So, but it takes time. So I think that nine years ago, we had to explain what is global warming and why there is a need to move to electric. Today, I think it's obvious. Uh, you see more and more uh, OEMs that are claiming that they are going to uh, produce only EV. Uh, it, so it's new and it's, we are very happy to see it. So I think that in few years, we will talk about wireless charging as a standard. So first, we need to understand that it takes time and um, you know, from our point of view, we see more and more companies that are OEMs that are uh, asking to do a pilot and uh, to invest and in, investigate this kind of technology. Um, so we see the market growing to this uh, to this uh, solution, and in few years we will see more and more companies in this field. And uh, I think it, the 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 situation will change. We'll move to more char wireless charging instead of. Uh, uh, um, wi uh, wired and, and conductive charging. So what's next in Electrion's journey? What's the next major milestone you're excited about and, and we need to pay attention to? 
So first we announced the first commercial project that will take place uh, very soon in Tel Aviv, Israel. We are going to electrify 200 uh, buses. So I think it's a huge project, one of its kind with, in, in a large scale. I think the next phase would be to replicate this project in Europe and across US and to start a, 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 um, a spreading the, you know, the, the wireless charging as a, as a holistic solution for uh, buses. So this is, this is the, the next step, a major step from the comp for the company to start uh, entering uh, new markets like the US. Uh, I think that we need to see a project not just for buses, but for last mile delivery trucks. Uh, it's a growing market. Uh, so we, I hope that to, to have a project in this uh, section and also for taxis that are uh, polluting and drive longer distances. Um, so those are the um, the new milestones that I see in the company to to move to uh, from one project to uh, to more project in the US and the, in Europe. Oren, thanks so much for joining me today on the Daily Drive podcast and sharing what's going on in wireless charging. Certainly an exciting time. Appreciate you taking a few minutes and sharing your perspectives with us. Thank you very much. That's Daily Drive for Thursday, November 4th. For breaking news, go to autonews.com. And to catch up on all of the episodes of Daily Drive, go to autonews.com forward slash daily drive. As always, thanks for listening. We'll be back tomorrow. <laughs>